is one of the essential building blocks for a thriving and healthy society. It's something that God, uh, in his wisdom, instituted. It's one of the, it's the first institution, really. When you grow up in a, in a loving, healthy family, it's a tremendous gift and blessing to know that, really, in, in good times and in bad, your family is there for you. They've got your back. But no family is perfect. Uh, some of you here know this all too well. You've been hurt by your families too. But even then, even there, notice that there's a yearning for family as it should be. A place where you're always welcomed and you're loved and you're accepted. Families are are a gift from God that we know. And yet there's uh, a family that's given to us that transcends even the best earthly families. A family Uh, that God gives us through the cross. And we're looking at the cross today in John's gospel and the gift of an eternal family that God gives us through it. So let's look there now together. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. uh, Turn with me to John chapter 19. We're going to be reading verses 17 to 27. If you need to use a pew Bible, you'll find today's text on page 1076. Once you're there, I invite you to stand with me as I read and follow along with me out of reverence and respect for God's word. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with... and. With him, two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription from the place where Jesus was crucified. It was near the city. It was written in Aramaic, Latin, Greek, Greek. So the chief of the chief of the Jews said to Pilate, Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. The Jews. Pilate, Pilate answered, answered, what I have written, I have written. I have written. When the soldiers, the soldiers had crucified Jesus, Jesus, they took his garment and divided it into four parts. One, one, uh, one part for each soldier. soldier. And his tunic, his tunic, tunic was seamless, seamless and one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, another, let us not let tear it, tear it, cast lots of to see whose it shall be. Shall be. This was this to fulfill the, the scripture which says, says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sisters, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes in these moments to the beauties of your word. May we delight in them more than the greatest treasures this world can offer us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. 
So we finally reached the cross in our series in John's Gospel. Now many commentators and, and preachers like to emphasize here just the physical horrors of the cross. Uh, many have elaborated in great medical, gory detail just how Jesus suffered physically on the cross. Uh, I, I've, I've seen preachers go on for uh, almost an entire sermon just talking about all the, uh, all the gory details here. But notice how matter-of-fact the Gospels treat the crucifixion. Uh, the act itself is, is just mentioned briefly, not explained in, in detail like many have done. Now, this may be because John's readers were already familiar with the gruesome details of a crucifixion, and they needed no help in understanding this. That's perhaps the case. But I think that John and the other Gospel writers were careful not to elaborate on the details of the crucifixion because they were more concerned to showcase and to highlight what the cross accomplished and what it means. So that's going to be our focus this morning. And while many of us may be familiar with some of the benefits of the cross, we've sung about it plenty today, praise God. There's one in particular that our our text highlights for us today. At the cross, God gives us a family like no other, an eternal family, a people that we know and feel that we belong to, a people that have our backs, a family that all the best earthly families point to as mere shadows. Now, to help us unpack the significance of this family, we're going to ask three questions of our text and see how the text answers them for us. The first is, what is the nature of this family? Secondly, how does the cross secure this family for us? And thirdly, who is this family for? So let's get started with our first question. What is the nature of this family? Uh, Look with me at verses 26 and 27, the end of our text, where John writes, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, most tradition holds that at this point in Jesus' mother Mary's life, she was likely a widow, and it was the oldest son's duty to care for his widowed mother. Now, just think about this for a minute with me. This says a lot about the importance of family. And in a Western uh, culture that prizes individualism above all else, this is a wake-up call. Because we have so elevated the individual above almost everything, including family. Think about it. The, the, The individual is supreme in our society today. The things that you want and feel are more important than the expectations of your family or the values of your family. What's most important is that you do what's right for you and that you chase your own dreams above all else. Now in stark contrast to this, look at Jesus upon the cross. Literally, the, the weight of the world's sins upon his shoulders and he is literally experiencing the divine wrath of God. And yet, we see Jesus here is still concerned about his family responsibilities. Jesus is saying that family is incredibly important. 
But we're a pretty diverse church here. Uh, We have people from other non-Western cultures among us. And in many non-Western cultures, it's the opposite. Family is everything. Family is all important. So instead of the individual being an idol, it's the family that tends to become an idol in these other cultures. Living up to your family's expectations is more important than anything. Now look at this. This is radical. When, when Jesus says to his mother, behold your son, and to uh, this disciple, behold your mother, we see two things here. First, there's a rebuke of Western individualism, but secondly, there's also, uh, Jesus here is rebuking non-Western cultures. He's rebuking the idol of individualism and the, individual, the, the idol of uh, family at the same time. Remember John chapter 7 tells us Jesus had other brothers. Why does he need to uh, hand Mary, his mother, off to this disciple? Jesus is saying that people who believe in him have a stronger bond than they do with the members of even their own family. Remember Jesus' words in Luke's gospel. In chapter 8, verses 20 and 21, he was told Uh, Your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you, but Jesus answers them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This means that if you're a Christian, every other Christian here is your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your family. Now you've heard someone say something like this, you can pick your friends, but you can't Pick your family. The point statements like this are trying to make is that you don't always like the members of your family. Anyone, don't anyone raise your hand. You might offend your family. Uh, but you know, you know. They can get on your nerves. They know how to push your buttons. I have toddlers in my house. I know how that goes. But for the most part, you work it out. Why? It's because you share the same parents. And in God's family, we have the same Heavenly Father. And if the the Father loves you and sent Christ to die for you, then that empowers you to be more quick to forgive and to love the more difficult members of God's family, doesn't it? When you remember how much you've been forgiven, how dare we not forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ? So the takeaway here, before we move on, is this. First, don't neglect the family of God that Christ gave you when you became a Christian. It's immensely important. The Son of God was crucified to give it to you. It's, it's a family that's thicker than blood. It's eternal. So take time getting to know your family, the family of God. Encourage them. Be encouraged by them. We talked a little bit about this in my class this morning, just the the nature of the church, how we're the family of God, and we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't be so quick to jet out on on Sunday mornings after the service. I know you've got places to be, but take, take a moment. Get to know someone you didn't know before. Encourage them. Be encouraged by them. Serve them. Be served by them. This is what happens in a family. Second takeaway here before we move on is work hard to love the harder members of God's family. Not only are are you both created in the image of God, but Christ died for them as he did for you. 
This is the nature of God's family that Jesus gives you. Now let's look at our next question. How does the cross secure this family? First, understand that that the cross is intentional. We've talked about this the last couple weeks, but we need to say it again this morning. The cross doesn't make Jesus a victim of fate. We've looked at this, uh, and, and John is careful to highlight this time and time again throughout his narrative here. That Jesus is in complete control of everything going on, even as he's nailed to a cross. We see this in verse 24. When the soldiers are casting lots for Jesus' tunic, John tells us that even this, even this was in his control. It was to fulfill the prophecy uh, about Jesus in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is all over this passage, by the way. And allusions to other parts uh, of the same psalm are here as well. Here's the, here's the thing about Psalm 22. Psalm 22 was something of a mystery in Judaism. It's a well-known psalm of David, but, but this psalm doesn't describe anything that we know in David's life. And so the question was, who is this? Who is this that Jesus or that, that David was talking about here in Psalm 22? Psalm 22 describes an execution. Those sentenced to death were stripped of their clothes to humiliate and to shame them. And the person's clothes were the spoils that the executing soldiers were entitled to, but nothing like this ever happened to David. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen. David writes, "For dogs have uh, encompassed me; a company of evildoers encircled me. Uh, encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet." Now, isn't that descriptive? There's nowhere uh, in, in David's story that we see this happening. In Acts two, the apostle Peter helps us to understand what's going on. In chapter 2, verses 30 and 31, Peter, in his famous sermon at Pentecost, says this about David. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, here it is. David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Let that, let that sink in a bit. D- David was a prophet who foresaw and spoke about Jesus. So here in our text, this is what John is trying to show us. The mystery of Psalm 22 is solved. Here it is. Here it is. This is Psalm 22. Jesus is the one David was talking about here. Again, John is driving home this point. These these events are no tragic accident. Instead, this is the intentional plan of God. And by his actions, Jesus is intending to create a new eternal family to give us. Now look at verse 23. It tells us that the soldiers took Jesus' garments. It was common practice at a Roman crucifixion to strip the prisoner naked. This is how they died. This is because, not just in the Bible, but also in human experience, we know this. Nakedness refers to two things. 
vulnerability, wrote in Isaiah 61.10. He says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress as a bride adorns herself with jewels. This is what this means. On the cross, Jesus looked into the deepest recesses of our lives. He's seen it all. All of our shame. And he takes it upon himself. And in exchange, he clothes us. He gives us his perfect record of righteousness, of of faithfulness to God, to have as our own. So now by faith in Jesus, when God looks at you, he doesn't see the things that you're ashamed of. He sees everything that Jesus did as if you did them. Your very identity is altered and God looks at you. I love this. In verses 19 and 20, John tells us that Pilate made this sign and and posted it on the cross that reads, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Again, Pilate here is speaking, or in this case, writing better than he knows. And notice that he writes it in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, the three major common languages of the day. In other words, this is an announcement for everybody. Pilate meant it as a warning to people, don't be like this man. But really, it's an announcement to the world, to everybody. And this, too, is another allusion to Psalm 22. Look with me at verses 27 and 28 on the screen. It says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. This means that God's family is not just a Jewish family. It's for all the families of the nations. You've probably heard this before, but Jews and and Romans hated each other. But the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that this ethnic wall... Uh, of diversity, of of dividing wall, of hostility rather, has been torn down at the cross. Do you see what this means? All the things that divide us in this world are now ultimately insignificant prejudice. All the things that used to divide us, all that snobbery is gone in Christ. You might be familiar with the name of of that great commentator, Matthew Henry. Well, before his parents got married, they, they both became Christians. But his father, Philip, was the kind of man who was from the other side of the tracks, if you know what I mean. And his mother was from a well-to-do family with a prestigious family name. And one day, uh, her parents, Matthew Henry's grandparents, told her that they didn't approve of her seeing Philip Henry, this this character from the wrong side of town. She told her parents, I don't care where he's from. All that matters to me is where he's going. I don't care about the social standing. So today, 
If you're here and your past is keeping you from Jesus, know that Jesus took your shame, nailed it to the cross, paid for it, that you would be clothed by his righteousness and welcomed into his family by grace alone, through faith alone, with arms wide open. Now it's interesting. In John's narrative, and I'll close with this, there's four Roman soldiers and four women, both witnessing the same event. Only the women would respond in faith, trusting Jesus to take their shame, to make them part of their fam- of his family. And this is a choice we all must make for ourselves. May you have eyes to see the love of Christ for you at the cross and eyes to see your need for him to be your savior. And I pray that this is the case for any here today who find themselves on the outside of God's family. If your eyes are opened, don't delay. Come, trust Jesus today and know the joy of being fully known and completely and absolutely accepted. Let's pray. God, we thank you.